You have entered the 13, a place where real stories about music, touring, and the beyond are told. Music does something to us. We all experience it in our own way. It can affect our senses, transport us through time, and release emotions. On this podcast, we will talk with people about the power of music and the beyond. What does the beyond mean? Let's find out together. Turn on your metronomes because this time is about to be tracked. All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to The 13. I'm your host, Ryan 13. And today on the show, we have Chester Moore. Uh, me and Chester met each other a long time ago at uh, at a concert, and uh, I've been following him ever since. He does some cool things with animals, seen him do some stuff about Bigfoot. We actually know some of the same people, like we both know Lyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And uh, that, I, he's I, hopefully he's coming on. He said he would. We'll see. Wow, but, uh, be a wonderful guest, man. <laughs> for the audience who may or may not know uh, who you are, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, there's a lot of things. <laughs> it's like, sure. where do I start? Right. Uh, so my name is Chester Moore. If uh, most people probably know me from my work as a wildlife journalist, writing about fishing, hunting, wildlife conservation, stuff like that. Done a lot of TV appearances. Uh, a lot of stuff on like uh, Nat Geo, Nat Geo Wild, Animal Planet, Discovery over the years. Um, I was in a band called Freak 13 that had a, some underground uh, success a little bit back there in the mid-2000s that I formed. And then I had a band called Draken after that. And um, I'm a lifelong metalhead, uh, nice. wrestling fan, Jesus follower, um, conservationist, and uh, I don't know, man, some kind of weird renaissance guy or something. I don't know, a lot of yeah. stuff going on. <laughs> no and i love it dude and i every time i you know follow you on facebook or like see you post something on facebook or something cool you're doing a podcast now yeah i've got a couple of them <laughs> cool dark outdoors is to shine light into the uh human dangers and wildlife dangers in the wild everything from serial killer encounters to dangerous animal stuff and that oh, was wow. based on me running into nut jobs in the woods around the country right strange <laughs> stuff and then um, I have a radio program I've been doing for a long time. And one night on that show, I just didn't have a guest that night. I said, I'm just going to tell this story that happened to me. And then I said, anybody have anything like that happened to them? And I couldn't take all the calls that night. So, wow. And then I have Higher Calling Wildlife, which is a podcast, which is more of my uh, normal wildlife, you know, conservation centric show I do. Okay, right on, man. Yeah, there's uh, been a lot of times that I've been walking around in the woods at night because I think that's what us Texas boys do, you know, like, yeah. it's just like hey it's dark let's go outside and uh one time we we used to have like out in in katie there's nothing there anymore all the woods are gone you know yeah, but when i when i was growing up there was woods and rice fields and i always thought i saw stuff out in the woods at night and one time mm-hmm. me and my buddy john paul were out walking moon's out across the bayou you hear all this rustling in the trees and something pulled the pulled the mm-hmm. trees man it could have been a cow we couldn't we couldn't see what it was but you saw sure. the trees move this go like uh-huh. this and then this thing came out he's like what is that dude i remember his voice <laughs> his voice uh you know squeaked or whatever and i was like yeah. that's the thing i've been talking about we took off running the other way without even really being able to see what it was i hear but you but uh, there's, a lot, yeah, of there's fun- a lot of stuff that goes bump in the night out there there's a lot of stuff that goes bump in the night man whether it's bigfoot or it's just a bum you know, you don't know. <laughs> What's your craziest encounter out in the wild? 
my craziest encounter out in the wild was in man i was it was probably 20 years ago and i went to go <laughs> this preface this i was in california to do a cage dive with great white sharks oh cool which i got to go do yeah and i brought my dad with me uh not he was not gonna go out in the cage but he <laughs> wanted to go see the redwoods and stuff like i did because yeah. it was in northern california so we had booked a couple extra days and went up to willow creek and all that area up there and i had just gotten generation three night goggles and Oh, cool. um, I was told there was a really good to hear it, to hear night sound and that the Thule elk that lived up there were rutting. And if we go up on this particular mountain, um, that there was, you know, might be a lot of activity. So we just kind of took our rental little SUV and set up up there. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking down this valley about an hour after dark and I see a light beam shining toward us. And I'm like, oh my, and I don't, you know, I'd heard drug trafficking up there and stuff, sure, but we right. have that in Texas too, you know? Right. Yep. And I look and I'm like, hey dad, there's a light. He goes, I don't see a light. And I pull my goggles off. I said, I don't see a light either. I put it back on. Now the light's slightly going that way, but I can see it clearly. And I pull it off. I said, dad, there's the light. He goes, I don't see a light. And then I put them back on and it clicked. There's a kind of light called an infrared light that you right. have to have night vision to see. I Whoa. said, it's on. and it clicked that someone down there is walking in the woods at night with night vision and it clicked to the drug trade thing and i went oh boy somebody knows we're here so we just crammed our stuff that we just had a little camping stuff and threw it in the back and by the time i turned the key on so like i'm on the top of this mountain and Mm -hmm. um literally on top of this mountain on the it's like a logging road that goes on both sides of the mountain i'm on the left side about a three quarters of a mile ahead of me lights turn on the vehicle Oh no. And I'm like, oh boy, somebody just got signaled. So I'm just, I get it, man. I'm going down this dirt road, yeah. logging trail, and this vehicle's going. And when I hit the road, I kid you not, I beat them on that road by about five seconds. And wow. they hit that road. And I had never driven in the mountains at this point in my life. Okay, and wow. Brother, they were trying to run us off the mountain. They were trying to hit us and all kinds of stuff. Only by the and I was like, oh, my God. Now, this has been back in, in Texas somewhere. Dad yeah. probably would have turned around with the AR. Right. And it would have been a different scenario. That's right. I'm in California. Uh, right. And so <laughs> I would have had a SWAT team meet me if I brought the AR across the border. But, uh, you know, we hit this little road in the middle of nowhere. It's the highway. And they ended up going the other direction. And I went that way. But um, wow. I called the Forest Service. And obviously, they said, oh, you're lucky you're alive. That was drug trade. A lot of drug trade going on there. Yeah. I said, you got a deer crossing in a bear warning sign. How about, you know, yeah. a drug runner sign? That might have been helpful. But that was yeah. probably the one that shook me to the core the most. I would I would imagine so, man. Like there was a, uh, that was, it's nighttime and you're seeing the infrared, but only when you've got the night vision on. Oh my God. And then like the realization of that must have been uh, quite terrifying. And then trying to get crazy. out of there. What's that? I said, and then trying to get out of there and yeah, and the crazy part about never driven in the mountains, and we're talking, we're not like in East Texas, we're even like up at Sam Rayburn, you're 15 minutes from some housing addition yeah, somewhere, right? I am 45 minutes from the nearest like house. I mean, yeah. we're far out in the middle of nowhere, so yeah. uh, we gunned it, got back to the little area we were going to stay at, and about an hour away actually, and uh. And like I said, it was it was pretty wild. And the interesting part was I met a and this is kind of what led me to doing the podcast. I met a National Forest Service game warden at the National Wild Turkey Federation show a few okay. years back. And I never met one that worked for the Forest Service. I met state ones, federal ones, but Forest Service. And I asked him what he said, mainly illegal timber harvest, but also poaching. 
And um, I think as I just left, I retired out of Humboldt County, California. I moved into a different location. I said, oh, I had this situation happen there. And he gets this stone, like dead look on his face. He goes, you're lucky to be alive. Wow. And, and then he goes, go watch Murder Mountain on Netflix. Okay. And I said, Do what? He goes, go watch Murder Mountain. It's a six-part little series. He goes, you're, gonna, you're probably going to want to cry when you watch this show. And I went wow. and watched it. And it's about Humboldt County, California. I found out it has more missing people than any place in America per capita. Whoa. Whoa. Um, and this one area they call Murder Mountain had all these deaths and disappearances. And I mapped out where Murder Mountain's supposed to be. And where I was, I was a whopping three or four miles from the actual murder mountain. It's pretty so, close, though. <laughs> yeah, I was close <laughs> enough. I was in the same county. So it was the same. He goes, you're lucky to be alive. And I'm wow. like, okay. <laughs> I was watching a guy on YouTube go into the Appalachian Mountains and go up into the hollers and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. like when he can't, he can't, he's just doing a YouTube show. He just wants to show people that when you go to play, like he'll go to the most dangerous place in Mexico. He'll go to the most dangerous place in America. He'll go to these places to kind of shed light on them that not, they're not all bad, but like when, yeah. when he was going up one of the hollers, they were like uh, a cop stopped him. was like, where are you going? And he was like, well, I wanted to go up there. Cause no, you, you can go to some of these other ones, like go down that dirt road. You'll be all right. Don't go down that. One. And, not there. Uh, you might hear the banjo music going, yeah. you know I mean? We can't ding, have ding, that going ding, on. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's, do that. hi, speaking of music, man, have you been doing any music lately? Are you still jam or? So interestingly, so my last band, I had Draken, which mm-hmm. I think was probably the best overall work I did. Um, okay. I, yeah, I, you know, I never, I, I knew I wasn't called to do music. Okay. I loved music. I sure. still love music. I listen to it every day. And I made myself better songwriter than I should have been. <laughs> okay. Because I'm very disciplined, you know, like. Sure. Uh, and I had good people to work with and all that, but. I, I knew I needed to do something else. And, uh, you know, with Draken, I thought that was my best work. So it was just time to leave on a high note. I did that 13 years ago, and I haven't played a live show since. Yeah, uh, man. However, Dude, we, we stopped playing at the same We stopped playing at the same time. The last time Razor 13 played a show was 13 years ago. Like, Facebook exactly reminds 13, me. <laughs> that's wild, man. Exactly 13 years ago for me. And um, we put out our last, you know, collection of work at that point. And... But I always left it open to do music. And I, my new podcast, The Higher Calling Wildlife Opening, is uh, me and my buddy Reggie, who was the guitarist in Draken, one of the two guitarists okay. in Draken and songwriter with me. We wrote that. That's going to be a full song. You're going to exclusive. That's right. going to be a full song that's eventually going to come out. I kind of wanted it to be out by this October, but just because of schedules, that probably won't happen. But uh, I'm also working on a documentary for the Dark Outdoors Project. Oh, cool. And uh, me and Reggie are scoring that. So awesome. doing, doing some stuff like that. And well, it's not too far removed to have kind of a metally sounding score than writing metal music. No, <laughs> so, you're you know. absolutely right. Mark, um, Mark Ollie, he's a, an archaeologist from over in the UK. Here's a, one of his giant thick books. Um, he came on the show and we were talking. He's a musician as well. Most of my most of my connections with everybody I bring on is music, you know, at cool, least man in some way, fashion or form. That's kind of what this whole show is about. It starts out with talking about touring. If you ever toured or if you ever played in a band that and, too. Then, <laughs> and then, it, yeah. And then we'll have to, yeah, we'll have to talk about tour stories here in a minute. And then it moves on to the beyond and the beyond can be anything. I mean, it can be yeah. Bigfoot aliens, 
God. It can be anything. We can talk about yep. absolutely anything. And I love leaving that door open because there's, you know, not everybody has any connection to any of the beyond, but it's fun to see sometimes, you know, people sure. got some stuff, people got stories. And so we'll go there at some point. Yep. Um, so man, when you're scoring a film, have you guys gotten like deep into it yet? No. So what happened was uh, my buddy, Paul Fuzinski, who's also a musician. Uh, he does a podcast and he's doing some writing work with me. He and I put together a documentary called Journey into the Dark Outdoors to kind of, um, he actually went to the um, Falcon Monster Festival with oh, cool. me and yeah. filmed my release of this project. And he filmed my entire seminar and then we built documentary out of the seminar. Yeah. And, and it was really cool. And it, we won an award from the Texas Outdoor Media Association for a best video for it. Wow. And so we decided we want to do something for 2024 that's going to look, uh, it's going to take it to the next level. Okay. And I uh, can't really talk about what the subject matter part is because I don't want to give anybody else the idea. Understood. Uh, <laughs> but uh, cause it's a pretty cool thing that I've been working on. And so me and Reggie are, I've been slowly just putting the cat. Matter of fact, he's on my list to call tomorrow for like, okay. uh, you know, some things we're working on, but kind of the vibe is so me and Reggie bonded many years ago over the love of things like iced earth and Dio era Sabbath. So I loved iced earth, man. Yeah, absolutely. My top three favorite bands of all time. And yeah, so it's John kind Schaefer, of, dude. what an oh, incredible those, those writer, triplets, man. man. What an incredible rhythm guitar player. And yeah, so we're, we're kind of think about the iced earth horror show CD, which is, <laughs> and which is one Dio of the best Sabbath and anything freak 13 or drac and ever put out. It's going to okay. be kind of that realm, but also we're going to, um, I'm probably going to, I'm definitely going to find someone who can properly play keyboards Sure. and I, I can write a few little passages, but get someone to do it. But uh, we're starting to, I'm starting to color the ideas in cause I'm storyboarded it. I've been, I'm about halfway through storyboarding what we want to go film. Okay. And it, cool. It'll be fun, man, because I, you know, I had the privilege of giving the legendary John Carpenter, uh, Halloween, wow, fog, right. oh, yeah. escape from New York, everything good and horror in the eighties almost. And, uh, who also scored those films, a Lifetime Achievement Award. I got okay. to present the award wow. to him at Texas Frightmare <laughs> Weekend about 12, 13 years ago. And nice. when I, I got to hang out with him for a while before we went up and do the award presentation, and it was like me meeting Santa Claus, you know? I mean, right. Like, <laughs> I've watched the Halloween, <laughs> Halloween and Halloween 2 and all that like mm -hmm. 500 times in my of life. Of course. You know? Oh, yeah. So I told him, I said, I think I inadvertently ripped you off a lot over the years. He goes... <laughs> So you owe me some money. I said, I never made any money. He goes, dang, you know, he was cool. <laughs> but I realized a lot of what influence and sounds and, and atmosphere came into music, especially in Freak 13, was actually John Carpenter's scores in my head. Oh, okay. You know, there were little little nuances I would listen to years later and go, oh, that, that was from The Fog or, right. you know, something like that. So it, it's, it's exciting to do something like this. Uh, you know, more of, of, you know, doing the full scoring for a documentary we're working on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, ex I'm you know, I'm, I'd be interested to stay in touch with you about the process because I think, you know, Nine Inch Nails went into down that route of yeah. scoring everything. They're like, they're on every TV show now, every Netflix thing, every movie that him and Atticus Ross are scoring, you know, and it's, well, it seems Dancy to be more did a more thing fulfilling. called Black Aria, like, yeah in the in the 90s and it was like a score of something that didn't exist basically yeah it's basically like his take on classical score stuff okay and it was pretty interesting but it was also like you know um 
probably wasn't as detailed as like if, uh, you know, John Schaefer or, you know, Joe Satriani or someone scored something instead of that punk guttural, but it yeah. was cool. But um, I think a lot of us people in the, the heavier music art realm like that because I think one of the number one things that people I know dig about metal, people that are not like a passive metal fan, they're like really yeah, into it. That's right. Or they love the atmosphere that it creates. Mm -hmm. They love the, the feel of it, you know? So that's where I go. It's just what I like. I remember when I saw Metallica when I was in ninth grade in Beaumont, Texas, third row center stage and justice for all tour. Wow. And nice. W when they hit, when they came on with the good, the bad and the ugly score, you mm -hmm. know, that's what they always open with. And yeah. Uh, Ecstasy of, gold. ecstasy of gold yeah. yeah and i remember the lights going down and that happening it just created you know this feel and uh, so freak 13 of course had to do stuff like that we opened of up with, uh, the halloween score a bunch of times you know the friday the 13th score different stuff yeah. like that for our vibe but uh yeah it, you know it's gonna be fun going down that thing especially like musically coloring in this theory that i have i'm debuting in this de documentary so Dude, I'm excited. I can't wait. <laughs> I appreciate that. Like, I want to do that because I love, um, you know, I sit here and I, I, I still mess around with everything. You can see all the guitars and basses in the background. You know, I've got my My bass stuff. is in the next room over, so. <laughs> okay. So, like, we're, I'm always still messing around. I still love doing um, musical scores and yeah. or, or, like, just things where I'm messing around. I don't put them out. Um, but, like, I would be interested to know how it works like, you know, when you watch the guys doing the scoring, like they're in yeah. a room watching the show and then they're like playing stuff to it. Like, is, well, is that and, how and, that's going to go? I'm as, I'm as interested as you are because okay. kind of the way I'm doing it right now is just I'm going to storyboard and it'll change a lot, but, you know, yeah. the basic tenet of it. And then we're going to go, this is kind of where we're going to go with it. You know, give me a feel of it. And then as we film and things change, we'll, we'll do like a rough cut of the first half and then we'll sit okay. there and play to it and look to it and adjust it. So it's going to be an exciting process. And I think, you know, music has changed so much. I mean, music itself has not changed much, but the music is now mainly a background theme for people. It's not in people's main, that's why live shows aren't as attended as much and different yeah. things. And besides the fact it costs $9,000 to see a decent concert. I know but, I'm not I, I, I'm pretty sure the last time I saw Metallica was the last time I'm going to see them. And that was 2008 when they played with down and um, yeah. I, it was a great show. It cost me a lot of money to go to it. And, yeah. and then now it's like to sit at NRG stadium in the cheap seats, it's a hundred dollars. And yeah. I've been in those cheap seats. Exactly. They are really far up there. And I, I mean, yeah, I exactly. can just watch, I can watch Metallica on the YouTube <laughs> exactly it's the same way like i'm not gonna beat the feeling of 89 metallica yeah so well, i'm not going to go pay you know 250 dollars for like a midway seat you know yeah you're uh, right and the last time the last few times i've seen them anyway they're just like they're good they're a bad they're professional they're a great band but you're right the first time you've seen them like i didn't see them till 98 and when well, i saw they them, lost jason newstead they lost the soul of the band yeah live you know yeah yeah oh yeah he and was robert's the... probably technically even a better bass player but in my opinion you watch jason newstead was the only replacement guy that was more like that band than the band was right <laughs> you that's know? true like, no that's a good point and they they let it go and they let it all go over dumb stuff yeah you know but... metallica changed my life really yeah, it was me a too. very life life-changing thing to me metallica um and by the way you are a great interviewer 
well, thank I get you. paid to interview people, but you're like, you know how to get stuff out of folks, man. This right is good. On. Well, good. Um, thank you. I remember being in ninth grade and I've been bullied, subjected, went through all kind of just really insane stuff at school. And I loved Metallica and uh, I got in this fight and I wasn't a fighting kid at all. Sure. And it was just kind of like my, I was just done. I wasn't putting up with it anymore. You know, if I, if I get killed, whatever, at least I don't have to deal with this crap anymore. Right. To, you know? Right. Yeah. And I remember just like the next day going home and just crying because I didn't know why I was just sick of lot way, way things were. And I wanted my life to be better. Sure. You know, I wanted my life to be, cause I know I had things in me that were good. I could do, you know, and I remember flipping on this, an MTV and here's Lars Ulrich talking. And he said, look, we do what we do and we don't care what other people think. We have our vision. And if you like it, great. If you don't. And I remember the exact moment sitting in my room going, that's how I'm going to live. Yeah. And literally my whole attitude changed. Now I didn't know it. And you know, at 15 years old, just turned 15, how to articulate that. But my whole outlook changed. And so if I ever get to meet Lars, I'm going to have to thank him for that. But uh, yeah, I've met yeah. almost every band I like. I've never met a member of Metallica except the original member, Dave Mustaine. But uh, oh, nice. I, uh, but like that was how a, was, that was, how was Dave? You know, it's funny. That's a great story. So me and some friends of mine joined the early. It was like a, it was a euthanasia tour. Oh, that was it a good was, tour. Yeah. It was the early fan club that they had and which is still going today. And um, you, they gave us two sets of passes. We had one before the show and after the show. So before okay. the show, we go. And, and like, you know, Marty Friedman's walking around, Dave Ellison, you know. Yeah. And, and, I've and, met uh, Dave. That Dave. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah that Dave. And uh, Nick Minz, I think, was in the – I don't remember if he's in the first part, but he definitely came for the second round of meeting. And um, Mustaine's walking around literally doing that snarl look like he does <laughs> on videos. Like he's, yeah, yeah you know, there, look, you know, and, and he's like just signing and just not being rude, just, you know, that look. Hello, and me, then meet the real the, me. <laughs> it's exactly that look, okay? And you can yeah. see it. And then, then after the show, we go in and Dave doesn't come out. But Ellison comes out and saying, hey, uh, look, Mustaine's going to be a little bit late. We've got something going on. But you guys want to wait? We're like, you know, I was like, you know what? Let's ditch the guy. We already got his autograph, whatever. These other guys are pretty cool. And then here comes Mustaine. And he was like the sweetest guy on the planet. Yeah. Guys, I'm so sorry. And then my buddy was with us. What was up with you in the pre-show thing? You were kind of being a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, you guys had tickets to that? I said, yeah. He goes, Oh man, I thought that was just radio contest winners and stuff. I don't even know Megadeth. And I'm like, oh, wow. so he was all like, you know, he was all cool and gave us hugs and give us a bunch of pics and nice. And I got my Rust in Peace, which is the greatest trash album of all time. Yeah. I got my Rust in Peace, you know, CD cover thing signed by everybody. Oh, that's so cool. It was it was really cool. Now uh, in in that realm, just because we're talking about cool people, there's zero contest for the greatest I ever met was, and that was Ronnie James Dio. Yeah, I met him once too. Yeah, the nicest yeah. guy I ever met in my life, and super nice. I met him in I met him in '94, and they were playing okay. this for the a, a tour called Strange Highways, which was a very underrated. You know, it was in the grunge era. Incredible oh, yeah. heavy album. I was like, I was in the front row at this club called Hurricane Alley, and I kept screaming for this song on the new album, which nobody ever screams for the new stuff, right? Yeah. And this crowd was probably three times oversold in this club. And brother, it was brutal. 
And they were like, it was the crowd surfing thing. And like, so this girl in a wheelchair gets almost crushed by crowd surfers. Oh no. Dio gets mad, dude. And he cusses the crowd. And he says, look, we didn't come here for you people to kill yourselves. And the band's like, oh God, we're about to have a riot, you know? Yeah. And he comes back and walks right in front of me, a kid uniting goes, I was going to do a song for my friend down here in the front row. He goes, but some of you might not get it because it has meaning. And I go, <laughs> oh, my God, thanks, Mitch. And he goes, but this is for you, pal. It's called Give Her the Gun. And he played it. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God. I freaked it out. And after so the show, cool. I walk up, and he's at the bus, 50 years old, at the bus, February, cold, rainy, signing everybody's autograph till they left. Yeah. And I'm there, and I walk up, and I hand him the thing. He looks at me and goes, that song wasn't in the set tonight. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And he goes, it was Hollywood Black on the same album, but I switched it out because I could tell you're a real fan. And we talked. And I said, and I, and I actually wrote a thing about how much Dio meant to me. And I gave it to him as a thank you for his impact yeah. on my life during tough right. times. And at the end, he gives me a hug. Love you, buddy. And I'm, like, oh, I'm teared up. Yeah, dude. Well, me and a friend of mine, same friend, went to, uh, uh, we created a website back in the early 2000s to interview all of our metal heroes. Okay. And, uh, I had I got hooked up to go interview Dio in person at the uh, at the House of Blues in New Orleans, the Magic Tour. So another friend of mine went with me, and we went there, and I sat in there, and, and I I just found the cassette tape of this, by the way. Yeah. I sat down in in with him for an hour in his dressing room interviewing him, wow. and at the very end, I gave I had a few vinyls. Right? Okay. Yeah. So I know you don't mind signing stuff, but I bought him a mega thing. Oh, that's cool, man. That's great. And I said, uh, you'll never remember this, Ronnie, but I was at Hurricane Alley. And I kept screaming for Give Her the Gun. He stopped me and goes, yeah, it wasn't in the set list that night. Wow. And he remembered. Blew me away. bro. So when I meet people who are into my work, whether it was when I was in a band or the people yeah. that come up to me to read my hunting and fishing stuff or the Bigfoot stuff or whatever it is, uh, my template is try to always be as good to them as Dio was to me. Right on. Yeah, dude, because that's awesome. I know the because I, I know – what it means to have someone that you look up to or, or appreciate their work during a tough time in your life. And then you connect with them and you're like, okay, that was real. You know? Yeah. So I'm always, that's kind of my template is right there. I probably fall short, but that's kind of where I go for, you know? Oh, I think it's wonderful. I love it. I think, and you know what, there's nothing, nothing worse than meeting your hero and then, then him not be what you thought he was or she for sure. And like, so I used to love cradle of filth a whole bunch. Still do. Yeah. But they, uh, I met Danny and Danny's sober now back then. He, when I met him back then, early two thousands, yeah. he wasn't, and he was nice, but it was like, I'm staring down at him. Cause he's three foot two, like Dio. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was like, Hey Danny, will you sign my dusk and her embrace album? And I was annoying him. Cause he was talking to some girl and I, I was oh, like, yeah. you know, he was behind, he was like, oh, how'd this hand get back here? And he, he signed my thing. And they said, off you go. <laughs> I was like, off you go. Oh, all right, cool. Thanks. And I thought about that later. And I was like, man, that guy's kind of a dick. But, uh, you know, he he's apparently not that way now. Or at least not as well, you bad. You know, his life's probably changed a lot since he got That's true. sober. And, and, yeah, he's been sober for a decade, you know. Hopefully so. for him, it stays good because that'll mess you up. And especially when you're in that big touring cycle. And oh, uh, yeah. You're, you're in the machine, you know, and you're, and you're part of that. Because they'll eat you up, spit you out, and, you know bleed you dry you know and i when i met yeah. kiss which was also a oh, cool mind-boggling moment i was uh backstage in the, on the quote-unquote farewell tour in 2000 oh, oh yeah 
<laughs> Doing one and, right uh, now. Or actually, they just wrapped it up, didn't they? Because my good friend Ted Nugent toured with them that year. So you you buddies, you actually buddies with Ted? I met him when I was 19. Dude, that is so cool. I like, went to I've one been of friends his... with Ted forever. Like I like I'm very I, I don't see him a lot anymore because my schedule is even busier than normal, but sure. we'll text each other and uh and I, you know, I'll see Ted every year or so. And now oh, it yeah. used to be four or five times a year, but I, I was always real respectful. Like, um, I would, when he came, I would buy my own ticket. Mm -hmm. I just say, hey, can I get hooked up with a pass? Come visit. I yeah. wasn't wanting to be that guy that had 90 friends outside. Hey, I'm going to bring him to the Ted Nugent show. Yeah. I need, I, was, I need to be on the guest list plus 50. <laughs> no, I was never that. I would always bring me and my wife and one friend is what I'd always ask for. Cause friends always wanted me. He was always cool about that, respected it. And I hated when people would show up with like all this stuff. And I'm like, whatever you know but on that tour he called our mutual buddy and because he couldn't reach me that day he said, you tell chester that don't ask don't buy tickets for the kiss tour we have a big vip section you guys go to every show you want passes whatever oh, cool. we got your brother we went to like seven of them on that tour because it was yeah. a long tour and i and we asked and i never asked for favors but i said i want to meet kiss man yeah and he kept trying to connect and never would work and at the last show he went into was in lafayette and uh, I said, I'm not even going to ask. I'm just grateful to get to come, you know? Yeah. And I walk in the room. He looks, hey, Chester, you want to do that kissy thing tonight? And uh, <laughs> and I lit up. He goes, yeah, meet my manager at stage left. Right after I walk off stage, he's going to take you back there. And he took us back. And it was like me being a little bitty boy in 1979, right. you know, five years old. And I saw Kiss when I was five years old. Oh, cool. And, and the, you know, it said Kiss dressing room and whatever outside and all of a sudden gene walks out oh wow and they're going on stage i mean they're yeah. literally 10 minutes from walking and, and, the, and he's in the full get up right wow and i'm like oh god of thunder you know and yeah. he comes and sits next to me in a lawn chair <laughs> and he looks up and he goes you may have to uh help me out of this i've never sat in a lawn chair with the dragon boots before you know <laughs> And I, and I go, whoa, Gene Simmons, you know, my wife's like, calm down. You're going to be okay. I'm like, I will not be okay. This is just, you know, <laughs> and ironically, Tommy Thayer, who's now doing the guitar gig, mm -hmm. uh, was the tour manager of the time. Okay. And he comes, Hey, you guys, Nugent's buddies. He goes, let me get the rest of the guys out. You know, they, you know, and then here comes Paul and he's kind of doing stretching and stuff where he goes on stage and Peter had wandered off. And like, I remember this funny conversation because I remember like Gene goes, where's Ace? He goes. Paul goes, he's painting his nails. If he would pay as much attention to his guitar playing, you know, I remember all this funny stuff. Wow. You know, it was funny. And then Ace kind of stumbles out. And then Tommy goes for the picture and Peter wouldn't get in the picture. I remember Tommy there, he goes, blank him. You don't want him in there anyway. The You know, he's yeah. being an ass tonight or whatever. And I, and I remember Paul like looking at us in the eye, shaking our hand. And I remember in the picture, I remember that Gene Simmons, hand is on one of my shoulders and Paul Stanley's is on the other. Oh, cool. And I'm going, don't faint, don't faint, don't faint, don't faint. <laughs> you know, because it was like Kiss was the reason I liked music, you know, growing up. Yeah. So that was cool, man. Gene Simmons was Gene Simmons, but Paul Stanley was really sweet. And uh, I got one more if you don't want me sharing because you're a fanboy too. Please. It's the, it's the other really cool one. And I've met a lot, like John Schaefer, by the way, you yeah. know, controversial figure now. Of course, what right. he did is not nearly as bad as what goes on metal tour buses every night. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I would like, yeah. there is. There was a period of time when I, I have another YouTube channel. Like, so I yeah. do this, this goes on YouTube. Nobody really watches yeah. it, but everybody listens to this thing. Yeah. I don't I, know. I do all, yep. I don't know why it is like, I like watching podcasts, but yeah, 
but the listening reviews are way up there when I only get like I had Doug Pennick from Kings X on and had like there's like 2000 views. I'm like, yeah. that's it. Like, I, it was Doug. But um, yeah, dude, uh, tell, go, continue. You know, I met Schaefer a few times and he was always really cool. Very cool. He walked down the road with us in Oklahoma one time looking for something to eat. He was looking for some specific place and we were just talking about the album or whatever. It's Glorious Burden Tour, but Nikki oh, Six. Oh, yeah, that was a good but one. Nick, Nikki Six. So I did early VIP thing for band, which is a whole lot cheaper than it is for stuff now. I wouldn't pay for those things now. Mm-hmm. Uh, on when Motley Crue got back together in 05. And I went back and I used to volunteer for a cat refuge when I was in college, me and my wife. And the Jaguar that was in the Motley Crue without you video was there. It okay. owned it. She had pictures she showed me of like Tommy Lee playing his drumsticks at the Houston Summit backstage and the cat swiping at him and the video <laughs> shooting all that. So I brought a picture of that cat. Yeah. And I walk in and I'm walking in the room and the guys are kind of standing there. There's a few people ahead of me and I'm holding it up like this. And Tommy Lee goes, huh? And Nikki goes, no way. And they call me over to him. And, and I said, he goes, is that the cat that was in the video? I said, yeah. He goes, what's his name? I said, Zar. He goes, oh, and I told him the story. Yeah. I thought it was super cool or whatever. And, uh, you know, they got a picture or whatever. And Tommy Lee acted like I expect him to like, like a four-year-old. Right. You know, he was great. He was great. He was just like yeah. this ball of energy. Like he's yeah. really like that. You know what I mean? He was really nice and everything. Mick was quiet. Vince was quiet. They're both cordial. But sure. I told Nikki, I said, hey, man, look, there was a particular period. Uh, I learned a lot about standing up myself by you, by just how you pulled yourself up by the bootstraps. I said I was never had an addiction problem, but I went through a lot of stuff that drug me into a dark place. And I Absolutely. saw you come out of that. And I, you were always like very positive about people going for what they want no matter their background. And I appreciate that. So thank you. So, yeah, man, thank you. They asked for a picture, whatever, get a picture. I don't want to bug the guys. I walk off. So I walk about 20 feet out of this room and I close this door. And I and as I'm closing the door, the door shoots right open and a, sh- and a hand grabs my shoulder. It's Nikki Six. Okay. And I turn around and he turns around and he goes, hey, man, look, I want to thank you for what you told me. He goes, when I have dark days, stories like that will keep me going. Awesome. So thank you for sharing that with me, brother. That means a lot of love you, man. I just want to tell you thank you for making my day and give me a big hug. That's awesome, dude. That's so cool. And that was my emblem. Now, here's the cool part. I was in the third row that night, and I caught Six's pick, too. So that was kind nice. of cool. <laughs> anyway, I, fanboy hour is over. <laughs> I, now, man, now I got to talk about Nikki Six because I met him once myself, but it was at a book signing. He was doing the Heroin Diaries book Heroin signing. Diaries, he was yeah. he was at um, the Barnes and Noble off of Kirby Drive. Yeah, and uh, I had long red hair. Still, I think I was still playing in Razor Thirteen. I was I was doing it was during the bandana years, like the bandana had come back. You know, everyone was yeah, wearing one in the their bandana pocket all the time. Yeah. I, that's yeah, my signature. There, there it is. Yeah, I saw I, the bandana in your back pocket. You know, yeah. the whole the whole nine yards. And we went, and he was super nice. Signed my. He said, "Hey, buddy." I mean, it was quick. You know, he's signing millions of autographs all day. Sure. Shook my hand, looked me right in the eye. Like, well, it was, I'm, it was I'm a pretty nice. good reader of people who are sincere with stuff. Yeah. And that was a sincere. It was a sincere deal. So that that was always it's always good fuel for me and uh, to inspires me. You know, to want to make yeah. others help them maybe get out of their problems, stuff like that, you know? Absolutely. So we've talked about a lot of cool things and I'm going to try to go, but I didn't take as many notes as I wanted. I've got some cool movies that I need to look at or a series like 
murder mountain i gotta check that thing out brother uh, <laughs> but um so i'm gonna move my camera just because you said folk monster can you see it oh you can probably oh, yeah there it. we go there's a legend of augie creek legend of augie creek right there man that's yeah, my man. like i saw that in 1980 something or other well there's my, my uh this is this is a Falcon monster festival poster i spoke at i got all the rest of the speakers to sign it for me while i was there just remember that whoa there we go dude that is so cool yeah so, I, i've been obsessed uh, yeah. with that movie i mean it, it was it was rated g you know so you go into like super video or oh block, yeah man blockbuster at some point and 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 get it and it scared the crud out of this young man you know like when i was uh let's get that a little bit better yeah when i was when i was younger i just i i still remember the sound you know and he's watched the little kids so, running across the field with the well, music so we yeah that that movie was a huge impact yeah I, my dad saw it at the drive-in when i was oh, like three or four nice and told me about it and i was already in the bigfoot thing because he had a copy of argosy magazine that had the patterson gimlin stuff in it right yep, yeah and I, me, and I was i came out of like the birth canal loving nature so a natural yeah. mystery to me was like you know, oh, wow, this is even cooler, like a monster type thing in nature. Yeah. You know, that was like a mind blower. And I, and, you know, this is before, this is before I was, you know, internet or anything, but I was getting surgery, a hernia surgery when I was five or six years, five years old. Mm -hmm. And they had cable at the hospital. Oh, cool. And about 45 minutes before they wheeled me in, The Legend of Boggy Creek come on. And I got wow. to watch like half of it. And I was like, ah, and then later on getting it on VHS and all that was really cool. And, um, and then later on, I got to know Smokey Crabtree and the Crabtree family was a big part of that. Oh, cool. I could, got to go down to Boggy Creek with Smokey. Hey, and, Johnny uh, Crabtree. <laughs> Travis Crabtree. Travis, hey, that's it. That's if it. you have Lyle on, ask yeah. Lyle about singing that song. Say, Chester said, <laughs> tell okay. you about singing Hey, Travis Crabtree. I will. Uh, he did a good version of that horrible song. It was amazing. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> it's funny because Lyle and I both spoke at the Falk Monster Festival in Falk this year. That's and super rad. It, it, it was at the middle school, and they had like a bunch of the classes, old pictures, and there's Travis mm -hmm. Crabtree's class picture on the wall. Wow. Yeah. That's and so, so that cool. was kind of, but that was a, that that was a big deal to me too, man. And it was all it got me into that topic and being interested in it or whatever. And uh I mean, then and Boggy really, Creek 2 and then Boggy Creek 3 and like, they, and I kept, as a young child watching these things, even though they went away from that like documentary yeah. type thing that the first yeah. one was, it's, yeah. I mean, Boggy Creek 2 where they could track it by like radar or whatever, and it was getting close, turned into more of a horror film that scared the crud yeah, they out just of put me. A new, they just put a really remastered version of that out on Blu-ray with a bunch of exclusive artwork. It was so scary. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that was a pretty intense one. But I, I kept going back to the original. You know, yeah. like it was oh, always right. the documentary type thing. In, in all honesty, it was a quasi documentary, but about 85% of that really happened stuff. Yeah. You know, accounts. Right. So that was. And, and the other thing he did great, Charles Pierce, who made that was The Town of Dreaded Sundown, and uh, okay. which was about the Phantom Killer of Texarkana. It was done the same way Legend of Boggy Creek was, essentially. Okay. Um, and we'll a little more drama to it and uh that had a huge matter of fact if you go listen to the dark outdoors archives okay this is just a guest for you. you need to interview pamela pierce barcelo okay she is she owns the legend of boggy creek film rights she is charles pierce's daughter 
and I can get you, I can get you hooked up with her. Lyle hooked her up, me up with her, and right she owns that. And it's a great interview about all that. She did one with me about Town the Dreaded Sundown. Okay. Dude, so, that's awesome. um, yeah, that stuff is really cool. And you know, what was what got me into doing some investigative journalist Bigfoot research was investigating a report and hearing the exact sound from the Legend of Boggy Creek intro. Oh. In the woods with two other guys. And it wasn't like one off. It was multiple calls and it was it was really wild. And that let me know that there was something out there that I needed to investigate as a journalist. And that was kind yeah. of the way I, I went into that. I don't really do Bigfoot media anymore. Sure. Um, I have contributed all I can contribute to that topic. Sure. Is the way I, I, the way I look at it. And I like there's something out there for sure. I have no doubt what it is. I don't know. Sure. But um it's it's a fascinating topic and I actually I think the, the films and stuff are even a lot more fun than the real thing, you know. <laughs> I have so from in in um Katie, Texas growing up, Katie Elementary, Katie Junior High, Katie High School, I'm that kind of kid. And yeah. I would videotape with the big VHS cameras, you know, like out in the middle of the woods because you'd hear the calls and, and like, it was, they were all over the place. And then there was a migration and here's just, this just the thing. I don't know, okay. but mm -hmm. as, as, um, Katie got built up and the yeah. woods started disappearing, they, yeah. they went that, you know, they went, uh, South and yeah. then you started hearing, um, reports of these creatures like getting into trash cans and like because they mm -hmm. did they were running out of room and they were getting forced into something so they were i don't know never i saw stuff growing up in katie but i mostly heard them and you would hear well, the knocks and you would hear the screaming thing and like you're like yeah i didn't okay. have any encounters when i was when i was a kid okay uh i you know but i i did is an er in my early 20s Okay. You know, I had I had stuff going on, and then that led me to do some research, and then it was all kind of crazy stuff that happened over the years, doing the research. So I find it really interesting that you were doing that stuff when you were a kid. You know, I mean, and, I wanted uh, to, I liked sneaking out of the house. That was the best thing. Parents went well, to sleep, jumped out of the window, went into the woods, and then like then I started taking friends out there because they didn't believe me. I was like, we I took like if you ever had like three or more people, like not a lot happened because you're making too much noise. You're, you're right. just like out there doing stuff but if it was like three or two stuff like happened all the time and i don't See, i didn't stuff know like that's what tells me i'm a i'm a journalist that's what i get paid to do for a living for the last 30 years so i i look for patterns sure like you know it's like an investigator you look for something that connects to something else and you know if it's if i'm trying to get a really good photo of a very elusive white-tailed deer mm -hmm. i'm not gonna bring four cameramen and three buddies and sit right. in the blind. Right. I'm going to bring me. That's right. And that's going to be it, you know? So, uh, and it gets scary out there by yourself, man, in the dark, you know it what I does. mean? It does. The you dark what's around intense. the corner. <laughs> if you, especially when you start doing, listen to my dark outdoors podcast and you hear these nut jobs in the woods, you get really freaked <laughs> out, you know? Right. Uh, but so that's always been a, a very intriguing topic, the whole Bigfoot Sasquatch thing. And, um, I think to me, the most interesting thing about it has been like some of the footprint thermal ridging evidence mm -hmm. and the vocalizations. That stuff is, I, here, here's my, this is about far as I'm going to go on, on the Bigfoot rabbit hole. Sure. But Patterson Gimlin film is real. 
I have okay. absolutely no doubts about that. Um, I okay. know Bob Gimlin personally. He came to my conference and spoke. I spent four or five days with him. I've, I've been to California and hung out with him at Bluff Creek. Wow. Um, and when we brought him here, a guy I knew did some enhancements of the film that he had never seen because Bob did like one conference in Russia in the 70s, one thing in the early 80s and disappeared until yeah. the mid early 2000s. And he didn't do any of this stuff because he got, you know, his wife lost his jo her job and stuff because of all this, you know, he went right. through a lot of crap. And right. this guy I knew sh showed him enhancements where you could see like mucus in the creature's eye and you know, oh, muscle, muscle tears and stuff. And Bob started tearing up in front of us wow. in a hotel room with nobody else there but a few of us. Yeah. I said, what's going on, buddy? Well, Roger Patterson was the guy who filmed it and, and Bob Gimlin was there with him. Mm -hmm. Roger died in 1971. People called him a lunatic, etc. He said if Roger would have seen this, he would have died in peace. Wow. He would have felt validated. So I'm yeah. like, that's real. You know, yeah. and, uh, and the other thing I go is if it's fake, how come no one's done a better one since 1967? Right. <laughs> that's a good point. Like, yeah, I mean, like, all, so there's all stuff these, out there. Did you see the news? This was a couple, well, this was a couple weeks ago, but they were talking about bigfoot on the news and like there's a text there's texas footage of one like sleeping on the ground or something mm, and, there's there's a lot of stuff out there this is a guy named thinker thunker on yeah. youtube yeah it yeah. does really cool and inter very interesting analysis you know uh so it's you know it's an interesting it's an interesting topic so here's what my bigfoot stuff is relegated to now okay we got a lot of kids love this stuff a lot of little chesters and you know Running yeah. around with a lot of little Ryans running around out yeah. there that right. need this stuff, especially since all this multimedia out there on it, right? Right, absolutely. So we have a program called Wild Wishes that me and my wife do. Okay. And we grant wildlife encounters if kids have a critical illness, loss of a parent or a sibling. Uh, we've even worked. Hey, everybody. Editing Room Ryan here. I just wanted to say that uh, Chester's internet's about to get a little sketchy during this uh, interview. I've cut out a bunch of it, but I've left some of it being a little glitchy in there just because you can still kind of understand what, what he's saying and it's part of the story that he's telling. So if you've seen... Um, if you start seeing things get chopped up, that's why, um, it's a great, it's still, you know, a great listen to the end. So please, you know, continue and thanks. And I love you all and back to the show. So your, your, um, program that you do this for is called wild wishes. Yeah. Wild wishes. Yeah. Okay. And you only do about one a year, but that's super cool. So well, is there a web website? One, no one, no, we only do one. Somebody might ask for a Bigfoot thing once a year. Once. Okay. Uh, we see. do dozens. Uh, we have granted 217 encounters to kids in the last Dude, that's two, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for doing that. That's so great. Is there a website I can go to or? Yeah, you can go to, uh, well, it's out of our, our facility, the kingdom zoo wildlife center. Okay. So you can go to kingdomzoo.com. Perfect. Kingdom. Yeah zoo.com links in description everybody yeah um so uh, some of the things i wanted to talk about and i'll always go back to bigfoot so i have to pull myself off of this topic as well um i mean you know it's like you just gotta like okay stop let's go let's talk about something else because i'll talk about bigfoot forever so out of touring because like i like when i met dave elfson uh elfson he um he was on tour. We were doing this rock and roll fantasy camp thing. So it was Kings X and extreme. Uh, we were, we were playing all this. I, I was a uh, bass tech. So I was, I'm nobody. I just hung out. I just did Doug's yeah. bass. 
And, but we went all around the country with VH1's rock and roll fantasy camp and everything they did in the cool. beginning was have all of these guys like Dave came out and played and you got to pay money, come in and yeah. play on stage with mm -hmm. your favorite, favorite musician. Sure. Yeah. Dave was so super nice to me, man. He was, he was just, that's awesome. You know, and like, and Doug, I, you know, Doug Pennant came on the show from Kings X and I was talking, I said, I heard Dave's in a little bit of trouble. He goes, he's not in any trouble. That was, you know, and talked <laughs> about his little thing, you know, like, cause he's got the yeah. insider scoop and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Sorry. My bad. But I, I've, <laughs> I've been fortunate enough uh, after working with Kings X touring the United States, you know, touring Canada and mm -hmm. Europe with these guys that I was able to run into a lot of fun and awesome uh, musicians. What's one tour story out of all your touring that sticks out to you? Or maybe like a cool guy you ran into? Freak 13 did very limited engagement. We did like a tour of the Midwest. We would do shoots out toward New Orleans, uh, like, like New Orleans, and we'd run into Florida. Then we did a couple of shows out in California. So uh, with Freak 13, we got to play the whiskey, headline the whiskey nice. on yeah. Friday the 13th. Uh, and we were playing yeah so freak 13 is playing the whiskey on friday the 13th because we are in los angeles to celebrate the 25th anniversary of friday the 13th we were that we were the band that this horror convention wow. that was the official 25th anniversary of friday the 13th got to um that's so got cool to actually represent the band and our manager at the time, we were playing the Musicians Institute, which we were not qualified to play. <laughs> Some of the guys that play there we were like the punk rock band of that thing. But we played right. the whiskey, That's got so to cool. headline. It was it was surreal walking up to the whiskey and seeing Freak 13 tonight on the. Yeah, you know. that's and so, so cool. We had Ari Lehman, who played Jason in the first movie as the drowning boy. And yep. the guy jumped out of the water who's a musician yeah, the first jason isn't he in a band called the first jason yeah or something? so we did yeah. a tour with them actually okay uh, yeah but um if this is the first time we ever played with ari at that time and i haven't talked to him in years but um he plays keyboards very talented musician and we our song crystal lake that i wrote out 13 got us there that's the nice. song that got us out and us on got us that gig and he come and played with us Dude, so, that's so cool. and then lar park lincoln who was tina in friday seven and lar rented a limo brought um uh, uh the guy that played jason in part two uh warrington gillette and i'm looking at this crowd and i'm going the girl from friday seven is sitting there singing our lyrics wow i got jason on one side i mean i'm looking at another in the audience and i'm playing where nikki six started his career Wow. where yep. Slash and Axel started their careers, where freaking Wasp started their career. We played a Wasp cover that night. Oh, cool. uh, nice. And it's Sleeping in the Fire. And uh, that was just the moment right there, just that all those things kind of came together in that yeah. one night. You know what I mean? So that, that, that so was cool. a special time. And that whole convention was awesome too. So we had a good time getting to meet everybody that was in those films and being one of the two bands in the country that were asked to play there. That was called Order of the Fly. They did the Musicians Institute show with us, and they were great. Awesome, man. That's a great story. I love it. I never got to play. Well, I, play I didn't play the whiskey. Kings X played the whiskey, and I've been on the stage. Oh, that's know. cool. Yeah. Well, Here's your bass. All right. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, I played a 12-string at the Musicians Institute show. So uh, They're monsters. Very, was it was it a hammer or what was it? No, I had, an endorsement deal with a, I had an endorsement deal with a custom shop called October Guitars. Okay. And they built it for me. 
And I still have it. And they built me a Voorhees base. They took basically a P-base body and put like this Peter Jason thing on it. That's so cool. You know, all this stuff on it. And it was called the Voorhees. And uh, we got to do that stuff on tour. Another funny thing about that particular show is um, there's a picture of me that's on the internet. It's Google Freak 13, Whiskey, or Horror. It's me and Raven who sang for the band. And you see me wearing this shirt. It's Amy Steele from Friday the 13th Part 2, where she has the pitchfork, like holding against Jason. (laughs) When I was in like third grade, I was in love with Amy Steele. Like that was my girl. Right. I remember kids on the playground, like Madonna had come out. Oh, Madonna says, no, no, it's like Amy Steele. Who's that? The chick with the pitchfork. Yeah. (laughs) I told her that story. And she thought that was the greatest thing ever, you know. It so, is the greatest uh, thing ever. And so we did, a, we did another show at ScreenFest in Orlando uh, two years later, and uh, she was there, and I had actually lost that shirt somewhere on tour. And I invited her out to see us that night, and she came in at the rehearsal, I mean, the sound check. She goes, hey, Chester, sorry, I got I got to leave the convention or whatever. She had something going on that night. She goes, mm-hmm. but I got, you, I, I got you covered. I found an XL. Here's you a new shirt. So she bought no me a shirt. No way. Uh, yeah, I felt, like, I felt like a little a little kid and puppy love, you know. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. That's so cool, dude. So, what? Uh, uh, moving on towards the end of the show, um, let's go beyond. We already kind of went beyond with Bigfoot, but like this is normally where I'll ask the guests, like, "Do you know Bigfoot? Have you seen a ghost? Have you ever seen a UFO?" <laughs> Most everybody tells me they don't know Bigfoot. I'm like, okay. So we I've never talking- personally met him and shook his hand. Right. I'll say that. Okay, me neither. Have you ever seen have you ever seen a ghost or a UFO? You know, it's an interesting it's an interesting topic. So my worldview is I'm a follower of Christ. Right. So obviously if I believe that there was someone born of a virgin that rose from the dead, uh the supernatural's real. Sure. So absolutely. That's that's gotta be in my realm. And it's funny, I meet a lot of people who are non Christians who believe more in the supernatural. But uh right. <laughs> but so I definitely believe that there is uh, I mean, a lot of stuff out there, and that's like a whole other rabbit hole. Uh, sure. A ghost thing? I don't. I can't say I've ever seen something what somebody would call a ghost. Um, yeah. I've had some weird sounds and stuff I've heard before, but who knows? Never yeah. seen that. Um, I have seen lights in the sky. Uh, I have. I have seen something that was probably in the realm of a UFO. Sure. And ironically. It was on a Bigfoot expedition. Of course it was. <laughs> and I look, and I used to make fun of people who'd be like, I saw, I was a UFO hunting, Bigfoot yeah. hunting, and I saw a UFO. And I'm like, I was this other guy, and it was the triad-shaped thing, right? Right. It was huge. And I went, great. If men in black show up, I'm quitting this whole thing right yeah. now. I'm done. <laughs> We're done. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so, you know, supernatural is an important part of my life. I believe in I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all that stuff. Yeah. And that's part of what we do for kids, bring the love of Christ to them through wildlife encounters. And, I love it. And kind of that's what that's what empowers me to do what what I want to do is help is help those kiddos, because, you know, I was in a dark place and yeah. uh, he reached out to me in a dark place in my life. And uh, that's that's my love. That's my testimony. And uh, of course, I'm not probably. A lot of the folks in the average American church would send out to evangelize sure. the gospel. But uh, I just tell <laughs> hey, people, look, I'm just a Jesus follower. And yes, I believe in the supernatural. Yes, I believe in the supernatural. And I did see the one thing like that. And I'm trying to think of any other weird stuff um, like that. I saw some I... weird eyes. Me and my dad when Ooh. I was a kid. I was, okay. Yeah. So when I, me and my dad were rabbit hunting 
this must have been I was 11, maybe 12 mm-hmm. pops in Newton County, and walking in the river bottom of my aunt's property, where there was a lot of Bigfoot action. I found out yeah. later on, right. uh, and we see these sets of red eyes, and there are probably okay. five or six sets. Oh wow! And we're in pretty thick woods, and you know, I knew what cattle look like when you shine eyes. My aunt had cattle in the pasture. I knew what deer look like and different right. things. And we're in a pretty thick, you can't see probably more than 30 yards where we're at. And yeah. if I shine my, the lights that we had on, on a deer at 50 yards, you'd see the out, you'd see the deer. Right. And there's nothing behind these eyes. Whoa. And I bet we saw five or they were moving five or six sets. of we got closer and these things probably got whatever, whatever this thing was probably got within, 10 yards of us. Oh, then wow. my dad decided to high, high tail it. And I was glad he did. Cause I was ready to run my little carcass out of the woods that always just mystified wow. us. It was literally, I wasn't spider eyes. They were like eyes. Right. And they were set apart like this moving together. Whoa. Yeah. But there are at least five or six before my dad, we talked about it again. And we read there's at least five, six of whatever this was in this spot moving around and they were moving up and down and they were moving side to side and they were like uniform. So that wow. was one of the, probably the weirdest stuff that I, that I ever had happen like that. So that's crazy. I was just watching, uh, my buddy, Brandon Thomas, he runs a podcast called expanding reality. They, they uh-huh. talk about all kinds of stuff, but one of his guests is doing a documentary or has done one on the dog man, uh, yeah. Bigfoot, and like mm-hmm. how, like they might, if you're going to get supernatural with it, they get real supernatural where they're like shapeshifters and that's why you can't ever see them. And like, they turn into like, they can just make you avoid them. But like they talk about them having red eyes. It's, it's creepy. That's interesting. I don't know what it was, but um, you know, but I, I, I kind of go back to, I kind of go back to predator. Okay. A lot yeah. of things circle <laughs> back to predator. If it bleeds, we can kill it. That's right. Didn't see we could shoot, but I was tempted to take my little 410 because <laughs> this yeah. thing is close. So like, well, I go right between both of them. He'd be a blind eyed thing, whatever he is, you know. That's right. When I was, when I was younger, I had a little 410, the little collapse, the stock collapse. You put the one shell in. Yeah. That's what mine was. <laughs> yeah. Exactly really the best. same thing. Killed my first rabbit with it and um, yeah. and hunted and stuff like that. But that was, that was, you know, you know, and I've had things happen where like, um, that are more on the positive side of the supernatural where like get an impression about someone, um, you know, in charismatic Christian service, we call this a word of knowledge about a struggle that someone's having. And then you say it and they look at you like, how did you know someone you don't even know? And then you get to talk with them and kind of release them from problems. So I've had that stuff too, but uh, you know, I, I, I I try to keep my feet on the ground, but my, eyes looking to the sky too you know what i mean that's right yeah that's somebody yeah. Just, i had on the podcast the other day said the exact same thing like oh it was um gabe from um american fangs he was on the show uh-huh. and i was like i ha- asked this question he was like man we always are staring at our phones you know yeah because you got to try to keep an eye in the sky <laughs> there you like, go brother I love it. there you go Dude, Chester, it's been so great having you on the show. I've like, and thank you for being so nice and and awesome to come on and and talk with. Oh, and man. I hope I hope you'll come on again, and we can it's talk. It's an honor more. and privilege to be on your show. You have a gift for conversation, and I I thank you for the opportunity to talk about all this wild, crazy, and fun stuff. Uh, and you know, that's the thing. I guess all the things we talked about 
for the most part are things that can be fun and a positive in life. Absolutely. And uh, I try to keep that perspective on it, man. And, uh, you know, whether it's rock and roll, whether it's, yeah. you know, cryptozoology. Yeah. And uh, if you can do it and it puts a smile on your face or somebody else's face, that's a win. That's right, dude. I was in I was in San Angelo, Texas the other day, and I went to the Dead Horse, and I was sitting at the bar, and I looked down, and there's Lyle's face on the bar. <laughs> like, <laughs> I saw but, a picture someone had of a like on a bar something, yeah, like and I, little I, like a little icon with a hat and everything. Yeah, so I took a picture of it, and I was like, I think I found you uh, at the Dead Horse in San Angelo. Sent it to him. Today cool. I tip my hat, but usually I would tip my bandana to Lyle because. Yeah. We did a thing along with Shelly Montana, who's a Bigfoot researcher. We did a little mini conference for nine kids and our 10 kids in our Wild Wish program. Oh, right on. We did it in a hotel room just for them. We did it for about six or seven hours, give them the full spectrum of seminars. That's and then awesome. we took them into Boggy Creek. And so Lyle took, they got to go on Boggy Creek at night with thermal imaging and the wow. whole bit. And so um, cool. Lyle and Shelly both were heroes for taking time. He always told me, if I can ever help one of your kids into that stuff, I'll do it. So Lyle's a good man. And uh, I'll, either seeing the conferences or like I ran into him at the Misfits Alice Cooper show. Oh, so. yeah. Nice. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, brother, I appreciate it. It's good to catch up after however many, you know, 13, 14, 15 years, you know, it's been well, a while. Well, 13 guys and the Razor 13 guys have got to kind of connect sometimes, right? It's, dude, we got it. We got it, man. There's, it was you. It was So you guys were Freak 13. We were Razor 13. And then Wednesday 13 was out there getting all popular. Yeah, Wednesday stole our stuff. I'm, I'm telling you. No, I actually love Wednesday 13, especially his early stuff. Yeah, man, me too. All right, brother. Go have yourself a great evening. Thank you so much for yes, coming sir. on. Everybody, yeah, take this care, has been, buddy. Thanks, man. You too. Everybody, this has been Chester Moore. This is The 13. I've been your host, Ryan 13. We'll see you all again on the next one.